Welcome to Medically Speaking, Auburn's own medical radio show with host Dr. Mark Vaughn of the Auburn Medical Group and Larry Finney. And here we are. We're live. We think we're live. Yeah, we are live. <laughs> we are. <laughs> the, 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 the test of it will be when we open for callers. This is Medically Speaking Radio, and you have three people on the show today. Myself, Dr. Mark Vaughn. Larry Finney. And Dr. Kevin Hill. Dr. Kevin Hill joins us from Grass Valley, from Sierra Endoscopy, and he allows us to speak about things, oh, that have to do with... Um, the digestive tract? Let's put it that way. Yeah, I'm a gastroenterologist. Uh, we tend to call ourselves doctors of butts and guts. How appropriate. It, not that I'm not a doctor of butts and guts. It's just that's all you do. That's Well, you know, a little <laughs> hepatitis C and other things, but usually that. Okay. Well, so the obvious question is, since it, that you, you placed it as butts and guts, it doesn't sound very glamorous. Why would, what would attract you to such an uh, apparently unglamorous uh, occupation? Well, I did say it was head trauma, but uh, or 18 holes a day they said I could play, but I uh, got rudely interrupted with that one. But uh, 18 holes a day? Oh, you were thinking golf. Oh, indeed, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> but it turned out to be okay. Yeah. Not that, yeah. Well, I need to get some uh, basic stuff, you know, housekeeping type show stuff. This is our first live show in four years, over four years. Yeah. Uh, we had done Medically Speaking Radio in 2009, last half of 2009, and all of 2010 uh, before losing sponsorship, and that was on AM radio. Now yeah. we're able to do it at a much reduced cost by doing it over the internet. We hope it doesn't sound like it's much reduced. Cost. We hope not. Actually, I hope it sounds better than AM radio. Well, they paid me with a cup of coffee, so that was nice. <laughs> well, but but see, but in between and during this hiatus, inexplicably, there have been several thousand downloads of our old shows. Yes, people are uh, are out there scrounging it up for, for sixty-four thousand downloads while we were doing nothing. I didn't we update the website nothing. or anything until just a month ago, a little bit over a month ago. In preparation for us returning, I think it's a good return. Yeah. So we need to speak to our audience also. We want them to participate with us to have a community here where we kind of have communication in both directions. And there's different ways they can do that. Of course, they can email mark at medicallyspeakingradio.com or they can go to the Medically Speaking Radio Facebook. Uh, but what we really benefit from the most, if they want to do something back for us, it would be to sign up on the email newsletter at medicallyspeakingradio.com. So if you're listening live right now, and we know some of you are because we have a little indication of numbers of people, we actually do have listeners already. Right. Somebody do just, but don't say the number. I'm afraid I'll be embarrassed. Not yet. Okay. We'll, after we build up bigger numbers. We'll, okay. We'll then say. we'll actually announce the number. Maybe by the end of the show, we'll, we'll be able to. So they have um, the opportunity on the website to go to that sign up on the right side of the screen where it says email newsletter. Put in their first name, last name, email address, but that's not all. To make sure you're a real person and really want to participate with us in this two-way communication, when it sends you an email asking, did you really want to sign up for this? Tell it you do want to subscribe to the newsletter. That will help us because that means a lot to potential sponsors that could help us make the show even better because they see that we actually have people willing to take a couple steps. It's, it's sort of the reverse of the do not call list. In other yeah, words, you're saying, yeah. the spam is on me. I just bring it on. Bring it on. I want Medically Speaking Radio spam. And you do, because unlike real spam, we're low sodium. Yes. Okay. And better tasting. And, and better tasting. Okay. We have something we're going to give away a little bit later, and I may have to be looking at the computer to help with this. For people to be eligible to win the breakfast for two. They must be alive. At Tofanelli's, valued at $25. I got the gift certificate right here. They have to be signed up on the email list first, mm -hmm. and they have to call in using Skype. Well, to call in using Skype to Medically Speaking Radio, you have to actually request a contact with us so you can get in. So do that early in the show. I'll try to check the computer and accept those requests for contact so that you guys can call in. I, I, you know, I have this adult onset ADD. I was looking out the window, and I don't remember if you gave us the, uh, if you gave out the Skype contact address is okay it... it's medically speaking radio all lowercase no spaces medically speaking radio that's who we are just like our our uh, url on the internet medically speaking radio.com 
Okay. But we don't do the dot com for Skype purposes. But you don't do it for Skype. It's okay. just medically speaking radio on Skype. All these things we have to remember. I know. I, I'll try to keep it simple. Okay. Okay. And then we also want people to know that we have lots of archived episodes. There are 78 right now archived episodes on the website. So when you go to the website and there's a little search bar up towards the top, whatever the subject is you want to listen to, put that in the search bar and chances are there's a show on that topic if it's broad enough. If it's real narrow, eh, send us an email and tell us to do a show on it. We'll have Kevin Hill back and he'll he'll talk about brain aneurysms. Okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so so are you done with the housekeeping part? Unless you want me to... Uh, oh, the logo contest. We didn't talk about that. Okay. We don't have a logo. We've been around since 2009. We still don't have a logo. So one of our listeners is welcome to design a logo that pictorially represents medically speaking radio. I think I've got it. And I have, it no, to, seriously, I have and a concept. And the winner will tell everybody who it is, so they'll, we'll send them business. I have a concept. I, we have these loyal followers that kind of follow us around inexplicably. Like, they like, do. Well, like, okay, so we'll call them... Um, uh, Ditto heads? Med heads. <laughs> no, they're med heads. Like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make up med head stickers. So they can stick them on their Cadillacs. I and, like it. Yeah. I think that's right up there with Dutch Brothers Mafia. Yeah, right. Medheads. Medheads. We we call those people differently in my office. Right. Right. <laughs> medheads. Seeking meds. Yeah. Right. Oh, oh, I don't oh. know. Yeah. Do yeah. you get that in GI? Oh yeah. Everything. Really? Everything hurts. Huh. I I wouldn't have imagined it in. Uh, it's every 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 profession. Every wow. medical I, profession. I, I, I thought it was just that. us because we're kind of the primary care. They keep coming back because usually they want to keep the thing going. Well, that's when you don't give enough. They come to us, you see. Oh, <laughs> wow. Now I know where to send them. And you know where the art that, that has been practiced to a complete science is in the uh, prison system. I've, I've observed that. They are, they are the princes of med-seeking behavior. Now, is, is that the personal pr- experience? Yes. Uh, now, which side of the bars were you on? That's what I was wondering. Oh, no, I was on the uh, observing side. Oh, but you know, okay. it's you know, keep your hands where I can see them kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> he's retired now. Yeah, I understand. But uh, okay, so we were, we were, uh, Dr. Hill and I were having a conversation out on the steps when we, before we realized you were actually physically here in the office, we're waiting for you to show up, we're waiting for Godot, and we're, we're like, where, where is this guy? So we were talking a little baseball. We found out he's a baseball guy like myself, and he, he was telling me he, he grew up in New York and was showing me his uh, shrine to all, all things Yankee uh, or Met. And one of the photos you had was of Tom Seaver, which reminded me of an anecdote of a fellow I used to work with, uh, who also is now retired, but told me of his, his one at-bat against Tom Seaver. Now, this was when Tom Seaver was pitching for Fresno High School. Oh, God. Yeah. And my buddy Sam was pitching for Tulare. And they met in a, a regular league game. Those are good cities to be from, by They're, the way. They absolutely are. Uh, I went to school at Fresno State, oh, so I can say that. You're a bulldog. Yeah, yeah. I did. You're a bulldog. Yeah. Okay. Well, Sam's big moment was that you know he dueled with, uh, you know, pitched head to head against Seaver and, and managed to to make a game of it. But he says his at bat against Seaver, he managed to foul one off, and that was that was his big triumph. Wow, that that's impressive. Yeah, he actually managed to get a piece of one. He says nobody else did. It was a, it was a, you know, that guy was incredible. Good morning, good evening, good night, yeah, good yeah. night. Yes. Yeah. So, anyway, Tom, terrific. You know, when you were talking about uh, your pri- experience in the prison system, having a GI doctor, I thought of the uh, oh. squat and cough. Oh yes, well, it's called the the uh, that is called the Keister safe by the inmates and they use it to hide all kinds of things legendarily uh, one officer told me that he actually found a a loaded 38 special uh, in that oh my goodness mm-hmm. yeah wow yeah wow wow that that takes some i don't know if you would call it talent or or uh, uh or what but yeah i think of the largest foreign object that I ever was a part of. Actually, it wasn't my case, but I was in the emergency department. I, they needed help, so I, I did come in the curtain in the emergency department trying to help. It was a, uh, a wedding candle, uh, about two to three inches in diameter that was in this person's keister. I have no I- idea yeah. why. And they couldn't get out because, I guess you would know better than I, the, the vacuum 
is created when you try to pull these things out. Yeah, they got to go to the operating room, and basically it's like yeah. a speculum. Under general anesthesia. Under general, yeah. yeah. Thank we, we did that with an avian water bottle. Someone had uh, uh, but, uh, avian plastic. The yeah, plastic, plastic water bottle. Yeah, couldn't you just heat uh, it up and melt it out? Pop a hole in the water bottle, and the air could get. Oh, that's a thick bottle, man. <laughs> oh, this this wedding candle. It wasn't a Jewish wedding, was it? I mean, we're talking full menorah, or. No, <laughs> 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 obviously that wouldn't have been his first time. <laughs> well, so oh. the. <laughs> Well, this is, so the so the punchline to the uh, the Keister thirty eight was that oh uh, yeah go ahead well that the uh, the inmate or the yeah was then charged with a, an additional felony of introducing a, a, a deadly weapon a firearm into a prison setting so, oh in addition to whatever else he was being booked for Larry grab me that book I'm pointing out it's reddish hardcover clinical procedures in emergency med yeah, you're, no there yeah. Hand that to me. This is actually something worth doing while we're on the air. So since we're on the subject of these, I don't know how we got. Oh, it was my fault that we got here. And your GI. So this is oh, appropriate. There you go. Before we get on to hepatitis C, the subject of the, uh, of the show. There's certain techniques that have been discovered for addressing these problems. So while I look it up, you guys talk amongst yourselves. Well, well, can you anticipate what techniques he's going to uh, find in the uh, textbook on uh, removal of foreign objects? You know, I, I have no idea. We've removed lots of foreign objects, speaking of that. Um, Seriously, from give us a quick list. Recently, um, we had an inmate not want to stay in the uh, prison system, so he had wire rim glasses. Oh. Pulled out the uh, glass part, Swallowed the glass pieces and then wadded up the uh, wire rim glasses and swallowed those. So I got called to come in to remove those out of the stomach. Oh wow! We had a guy uh, down at San Quentin who was a a swallower. This was apparently this was behavior that he engaged in long before he, he criminality, and he was just he had this compulsion to swallow. Have you you're nodding as if you've yeah. encountered this thing? There's people who have um, swallowed spoons. They'd break off the ends and swallow both. There was nothing this guy would not swallow. Oh, that's the classic. Mark is showing us the classic. Uh, Dr. Vaughn, excuse me, is showing us the classic Coke bottle. Uh, oh, goodness. Now, look how they have the techniques for how to get the air past the foreign object. Not only get the air past, but also have something inflatable on the other side. Once you fish it past, so you can kind of pull it okay, out. Okay, so yeah. let's say the uh, hypothetically the uh, object to be removed is a, well, a, a peanut butter jar. Yeah, they actually exactly, write peanut butter on the little illustration. Well, there. and they actually put the brand name. I won't even go into it, but they they pass the the tube. We uh, should inflatable. skip that. Yeah, we should. <laughs> we should. We will. We're going to scan this and put it in the show notes. We should. Why not? Uh, it's you know, it's not copyrightable material, is it? I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, okay. So you pass the tube up past the foreign object, inflate the bulb that's on the uh, far uh, distal end of the tube, and then uh, that kind of creates a hook, so to speak, and, uh, you know, yeah. anchors the, away. You have the book, but I believe the peanut butter jar is an endotracheal tube. These things are like yeah. a centimeter in diameter, uh, outside diameter anyway, and it has a big uh, inflatable balloon on the other end to keep it inside the uh, trachea when you're breathing for somebody. And this thing was put up past the peanut butter jar. Yeah, uh. almost unbelievable. You know, a, a person listening to this would say, no, no, you can't, you cannot. But yet, that's the illustration used in the uh, the textbook. No, we've, lots of things have been found up there. Uh, bottles, teacups, golf balls, I mean, you, you name it, yeah. it's probably been there. So, Yeah, I once, uh, my first year of medical school, I had a uh, little, you wouldn't call it a rotation, but... Uh, just a little visit with a urologist, old, old guy. This guy graduated from St. Louis University School of Medicine in the 40s, and he was still practicing when I was in medical school in the, in the 90s. He had a little drawer like this in his desk, and he kept objects that he had retrieved through the urethra with, a, with uroscopy. One was a little small Lego piece. One was a birthday candle. Um, one was a little paintbrush like you'd use for model what, airplanes. What, what's your deal with candles? <laughs> I mean, 
We got menorahs and we got uh, yeah. birthday candles. Yeah, you asked about melting the uh, candle. I wonder, can you just light the wick and maybe it melts enough that you can slide it? <laughs> maybe not. Okay. Well, we're scaring our callers away. Any I'm sorry, potential callers. callers. And, I'm sure. Actually, you know what I want to do? I want to go ahead and invite the callers to call anytime. Just go ahead and call uh, through Skype and you can interrupt us. We'll go ahead and put on pause whatever we're talking about so we can talk to you because. We really depend on the, the callers for the communication, the connection with the community and the listeners. But should we go ahead and start into the discussion about hepatitis C, the topic of the day? Yeah, I, and I always thought that was a liver issue. How does that tie into gastroenterology? Yeah. Most gastroenterologists in general uh, will treat hepatitis C. We do uh, gallbladder disorders, not, not the surgery, but... Um, Removing stones before a surgeon uh, will come in and remove the gallbladder. So it's not just, uh, as we said, butts and guts. We do a little bit more with hepatitis and chronic liver disease and cirrhosis and things of this nature. And hep C, I, I had not heard of it at all myself until, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago. And now it seems to be, well, going back to the prison system, it's, it's all over the place. It, it is. If you look worldwide, 170 million people have it. In the United States, it's about three and a half million, with a lot of them not found yet because screening hasn't been done. And uh, recommendations, I know this has gone forth. All baby boomers born between you know, 45, 1945 and 1965 should be tested, and it's actually covered by insurance. And why is that? Why is there a danger to having been born between 45 and 65 or a well, risk level? There's a lot of reasons. One is blood products weren't screened well. So if you had a blood transfusion, um, equipment wasn't always autoclaved and sterilized. And so there's risk through that. So it's a high risk dec couple decades. Yeah. In fact, I had a, uh, a, a different colleague that I worked with who discovered that he had hep C was not any in the usual risk, you know, use IV drug use or anything like that, mm -hmm. but born in that time slot. Yeah. And what he said, what had happened to him, he, the only way he could figure it was when he was a, a, a youngster, almost a toddler, maybe a little older than that. He had cut the tip, well, no, he, I guess he'd removed the entire uh, end of his finger in one of those rotary lawnmowers oh. and lost nice. some blood mm -hmm. and got a transfusion. Yeah. It, it, it's common, you know, uh, we see people all walks of life. I mean, you, you I've seen people in uh, lawyers and, I mean, just all walks of life. Other physicians have it. This is a disease that affects everybody, potentially. So, so if you were born in that uh, 45 to 65, 1945 to 1965 time slot, but and, and to your knowledge, uh, have never had a, a blood transfusion or anything like that, I, do you really need to worry? I would do it. Like I said, there's other risks. We didn't um, know about autoclaving instruments well, which means heating it up to a very high temperature to kill virus. And so it's a simple blood test. And I always say it's better to be safe than sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, people need to kind of take responsibility for their own health care and not just uh, throw it on your doctor to do it. So sometimes doctors need to be reminded that people need stuff. Yes. yes. So, so what happens if this, uh, this baby boomer, boomer gets the unpleasant surprise and finds out, yes, in fact, I am positive for hep C. Is there a treatment for it? Actually, there's a lot of treatments. And, you know, the, kind of the basics on hep C, there's multiple different kinds. Okay, there's type, in this country, type 1, 2, and 3 are the most common. Uh, each of these types have a different duration of therapy, a different type of therapy and different percentage chance that that will actually work. And the danger of not treating it? The danger of not treating hepatitis C has to, um, it has to deal with uh, getting cirrhosis and, you know, who doesn't want to have their wine at night, you know, or yeah. something. So, yeah. Yeah. So we don't want a 20% chance. Well, so, so someone with hep C should probably be cutting out alcohol. We recommend it, absolutely, because two things make hepatitis C worth it. Worse. One is uh, drinking and two is gaining a lot of weight. So we're taking away all the fun stuff that oh. people do when you have hep C. Well, you could take the other tactics of what the heck I've got hep C. Let's just go crazy, you know? <laughs> As we've had patients who took that. Uh, really? The, that, the fatalistic approach. approach? Yeah. yeah. Now you said also uh, gaining weight. Is that because of fatty liver? Fatty liver. Yeah. It's the actually third most common cause of transplant in this country now. Oh my goodness. Fatty liver. Fatty we, liver. We are fatting ourselves to death. 
Yeah, McDonald's is killing us. I've never wow. heard of this. Fatty liver is just from, is, is it, is it uh, something attached to being overweight in general? Not always. I mean, fatty liver can be from uh, being overweight. Um, alcohol actually promotes fat to go into the liver. Um, diabetics are more likely to get this. So it's, you know, not all, everyone that's 300 pounds plus that gets fatty liver. Okay, so let's say you're of a, a average body size and weight. You could still have fatty liver. How would you know if you did? Um, would you go, list heavily to one side, or <laughs> you, when you go in the pool, you float? No, you go to your you, you go to your doctor. They do labs, and ultrasound will show it. Yeah, we get it a lot. That we'll be getting ultrasound for any number of things, and then oh, by the way, this person has fatty changes in the liver. Yeah, and and, and so the only thing you can do is tell them stop being fat, and of course that doesn't go over the best. Yeah, we, we, we tell them the most exciting therapy there, there is. Lose weight and eat low-fat diet. Yeah. yeah Thank well, you, doctor. Yeah, I'll, I'll get many, right on it. Yeah. yeah, how many people actually do that? Uh, almost none. Have you had the same experience I have where you almost, almost can't even bring yourself to say it anymore because of all the fat people coming in and out that just won't stop? Or, or the ones who tell you, oh, I have cut back. And I'm still not losing weight. And yeah. they think that the amount they've cut back or what they've done is cutting back. But yet, we know the calories are still going in. Well, can't you just give we me a liver transplant? <laughs> just liver transplant. Yeah, the, the minor procedure, outpatient, no <laughs> big deal. Let me yeah. just go find one for you. Yeah. We'll, we'll try that one up there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the plastic one? The yeah. plastic one on the corner, yeah. No, I just tell people that you got to be realistic about weight loss. Um and do achievable goals. You can't come in and say, I'm going to lose 50 pounds. Well, yeah, Why don't we yeah. in this month lose two or three and you're going the right direction? I yeah. think that's more reasonable. Yeah, the, it's, it's amazing to me the idea. And it's hard to, you know, when you're in front of a person, I'm a lot more uh, charitable and loving face-to-face -face than <laughs> I am on the radio to, the, the, to the, an anonymous uh, so he says himself. I would, yeah. I would love to hear. Gosh, I would love to hear what what medical professionals do behind the scenes after the patient oh, has gone, something? and and just take, swapping stories of uh, take the recorder in and just have it play. Uh, that would be it. what what your doctor really says you when know, you're gone. I can try it and 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 get the patient's permission, you know, but we'll see. <laughs> but the, the thing is, a lot of times they'll be asking for weight loss with well i'm walking every day now well yeah that 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 does use some calories but you're gonna have to do a lot of walking to make much of a difference we're uh we're, we're getting text messages from uh listeners I, I get one listener who's saying that our voices sound a little distant even though they've turned up their volumes so. oh okay so we just need to speak up a little bit more. Yeah, that's it yeah just just project it's our technical uh supervisor here dr vaughn yeah We'll tell them to fix it. Well, my voice normally goes down quietly when we're talking about things like, uh, you know, like what we're talking about. Like butts and guts. Butts and guts, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, what's, that, what's that procedure we're supposed to go through when we hit the age of 50? Uh, the, uh, dreaded, uh, uh, the dreaded colonoscopy. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, well, as long as we're there, let's, let's talk about that just a little bit. Why the colonoscopy and why at 50? So... In medicine, we like to have this thing called cost-effectiveness. So after lots of studies and crazy people decided that uh, they're going to do studies and I'll do a colonoscopy at age 40 and 30, and people volunteered for this, but they found that starting at age 50 is when you find enough pathology, meaning polyps or cancers, that it makes it cost-effective to do it. Okay, let's so so uh, yeah. Why do a, a complete teardown on the engine block of a of a car that's yeah. only got ten thousand miles on it, right? That's and, right. And the reason it's fifty instead of fifty eight and a half is because if you're going to do studies on people to see if it's worth doing or not, you pick a round number that kind of becomes a standard for other people to do their studies, so that everybody can look at them together and say, okay, it looks like all the evidence is pointing to fifty is a good place to start. Okay, and so the person, uh, the, the person, the reason to do this is that it, it's you can uh, early detection of things that could become very serious. It, that, that's right. So uh, you find polyps before they can turn to cancer, or worst case scenario, you find an early cancer, but 
you know, you can uh, sometimes remove it directly from a polyp and take the polyp out and you're cured. Or uh, we send it to our friendly neighborhood surgeon and we call it cut for cure. Uh, so you don't have to go through chemo and this kind of thing. Okay. Well, so as, as uh, I, I've been through the process and as, and I will echo the, the sentiments of most people who have been through it, is that the prep is far more unpleasant than the, the experience itself. Yeah, the, the, the prep you can't get around. I mean, who likes eating jello and drinking salty Gatorade that makes you poop all night? I yeah, mean, it's yeah, not it's, a, an exciting day. Yeah, you've got to com- be completely cleaned out. You're taking laxatives, and then, and then they want you to take more laxatives on top of that. And then, but, but the actual process... I, I, I had a, a tech who was kind of a, I don't know, a jokester. He was, uh, he had a section of garden hose there in the procedure room and was trying to tell me that this is what they use. Yeah, did they put a flashlight at the end and say, that's yeah, the light yeah, source? Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah exactly. He did. <laughs> Where was yeah. this? Well, this was local at a, at a local hospital about, uh, you know. Half a block away? About a half a block away. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. Which is actually where uh, yeah. Dr. Hill was for, what, three to five years? No, I was there five and a half years. Right here in Auburn. Right here in Auburn. Do you have any office hours in Auburn? You, you did at one I, point. I did, but um, we changed that. We had a partner retire, so I uh, had to kind of move that clinic back up to Grass Valley where I work now. Okay. All right. Yeah, I knew you had for a little while, so you could do years. the initial meet and greet, uh, you know, without gloves on your hands. Or, or, right. Well, I had a lot of patients in Auburn for the my five and a half years here, and uh, yeah. it was nice for them to be well, able to see it. me here. Do people refuse to shake hands with you, or do they just is, they insist on the fist bump only? You know, that's <laughs> no. It's, sometimes it's just the elbow bump. They don't <laughs> even trust the fist. So. Yo, doc, what up? Yeah, they figure if you're up to the elbow, then I didn't know you was a doctor, right. right? Yeah, that's the veterinary GI. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with the hip boots and the uh, okay. shoulder. Uh... So it's been how long since you were in Auburn? Six years. Six years. And, of course, since colonoscopies are done every, well, it depends on the patient, but sometimes right. every 10, sorry, I didn't mean to spit on you. Sometimes every 10 years, we have patients still just discovering, oh, Dr. Hill, who I went to, yeah, if you want to go to him, he's in Grass Valley. Oh, okay, I'll go up there. Yeah. No, I get that. I'm, it, it's sad for me because that means I'm old. <laughs> 10 years? You've been practicing. God. That's right. Yeah. So 12 years up here now. Yeah. Yeah. How, how did you end up in Auburn since you didn't grow up here? Or My uh, family uh, has been going up to Lake Tahoe for years. I mean, I remember it as a little kid, and so I wanted to get the heck out of Southern California, and I sure as heck didn't want to stay in New York, so I came back. Okay. We've been all over the map here, kind of bouncing around, and this number that you threw out a while about hep C, three and a half million cases in the U.S., now, in the little town of Grass Valley, in, in your practice there, how many roughly have you bumped across? I can tell you by month, um, I probably see at least 30 a month. Okay, so it's uh, not uncommon. And, you know, I have three other partners who do the same, so I bet our group sees well over 100 hep C patients a month, uh, if not more. That's probably a conservative number. So folks can't walk around saying, well, it's probably not me. Yeah, we get a lot of that. How did I get that? I only did something. I got a tattoo by my buddy when I was 14. <laughs> uh, did y'all share the same needles? Yeah, we did. So, I mean, there's lots of ways that people get it. Wow. Okay, so so uh, how is it spread? Well, the most common way is through needles. So IV drugs, uh, nasal cocaine, because you share the little straw or whatever you use. Um, you can get it through infected devices, like I said, poorly cleaned um, prisons, the tattoos. I mean, even your buddy's house who has it. Hey, I'll do your tattoo. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure they didn't clean the needle. Um, <laughs> passing it through sex is like 5% through a lifetime relationship if it's monogamous. Um, obviously, there's higher risk behaviors and you got to... Yeah. Um, Are there a certain percentage that it's just a complete unknown? I, I thought I remember reading that about hep C. Yeah, it's a little under 5%. We don't know. We just can't find any risk factor. And there's thoughts about, you know, maybe it was a dental thing, maybe military wow. and those, uh, you know, the shots for the air, the air injections. Yeah. Because there's splatter. And sometimes maybe that oh was goodness. shot in if it wasn't cleaned appropriately. So there's a lot of ways we just, and some we just don't know. And did we talk about treatment at all? I, 
And not, not really. Yeah. I think we started to touch yeah. on it. So we, before we jump into that, I want to remind our callers that if they have Skype, they can actually call in with a question and have a chance to get the gift certificate for Tofanelli's for breakfast. So if you Skype into Medically Speaking Radio, which you can do at any time during the rest of the show, we'll take your call and we'll put your name in the basket for getting the gift certificate. And, and to up the ante for you, you will be forever remembered as our first Skype caller. Oh, that's right. Well, you'll have a special place in our hearts. And we'll, we'll probably put up a plaque yeah. here. But do make sure you're signed up for the newsletter. You have to be both signed up for the newsletter and Skype in. Okay, sorry to interrupt. That's all right. Uh, the old treatments were tough. Boy, they gave you this interferon stuff and uh, a shot and pills and people were getting sick and yeah. getting tired and it was, it was rough. Boy, I, uh, I, I have a patient who actually had a uh, liver transplant for hep C and then got it again. Yeah. And he was on the interferon and he was just dragging. I mean, he had no energy at all. And yeah, now the treatments are all oral. Over 90% chance for cure for most of the genotypes except three. Three is the new one that's tough. About 70% right now. How's that label? Is it hepatitis C3? Yeah, we call them genotypes. Okay. And uh, it's kind of like having, we're all Americans, but we're different uh, yeah. nationalities. So same thing with the kind of the hep C. So Talk, uh, Speaking uh, of genotypes, I just noticed our phenotype here. We all have the same... Uh, pattern of a lack hair, of hair. On the oh yeah we save a lot of money at the barber that's what it is we comb just, our hair with a washcloth i just yeah. do it myself I, I i get the uh, number two blade and i just go up from the beard over the face and over the head oh there you go all the same like oh we have a call hello caller it says your name is leanne is that correct yes, yes this is leanne wow you sound like you need to see an ENT doctor, not a GI. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, a pulmonologist wants to cut a cold or something. Stop smoking. <laughs> I'll try. Okay, Leanne, where are you calling from? Um, from Auburn. Oh, all right, right here in Auburn. Did you have a question right. for Dr. Hill or? Um, yeah, probably Dr. Hill. Um, okay. so we've you've been talking about hepatitis C and um, you know the the treatment and and the cause, but I don't know. What are the symptoms? How would you know that you had it? You, you talked about fatty liver, but you don't know that unless you have a test for it. So what are the symptoms that patients should look yeah, for? Yeah, that's a good question. So, some people don't have any, believe it or not. They come in and they go in and they get labs for routine business. And then all of a sudden you find elevated liver enzymes and then it leads to the diagnosis. Some of the symptoms can just be fatigue. You know, God, I, the kids are keeping me up later. But no, it's just fatigue. I don't have the energy I used to have. That's probably the most common. Okay. And then what is the danger of not being treated for it then? Well, the, the biggest risk is cirrhosis. 20% uh, of the people will get that without treatment. And then, you know, once you have cirrhosis, it increases your risk of uh, liver cancer and uh, many other comorbidities after that, you know, uh, all the side effects of cirrhosis. And it can't even lead to multi-system organ failure if it oh, were to go it, all the way right kidney failure the whole uh, yeah. death what, what's that uh kidney liver liver kidney there's a name i don't see it because i'm not nice you. hepatorenal syndrome hepatorenal there yes, you go yes there you go and which is it one shuts down the other or is it always liver first and then kidney it's liver makes the kidney shut down if you fix the liver the kidneys get better okay did you have anything else uh leanne um well, I guess like with the fatigue, it seems like there are so many things that can lead to fatigue. Is it something that, um, yeah. you know, I have friends that talk about it and have had all sorts of blood tests and they check their thyroid and, you know, you can't never pinpoint. Is it a pretty easy thing to diagnose once you see the, the blood tests come back? Yeah, I think uh, if people come back with repeated fatigue and nothing's shown up and, uh, you know, you, one of the one of the things you do is a hepatitis panel just to check, but there's, like I said, there's a multitude of things that can cause fatigue. Mm -hmm. Bad sleep, uh, you know, <laughs> sleep apnea, people may not, you, you know, go. so there's just a lot of things. So just tell your doctor and they, uh, they can do the testing. All right. Thank you. Hey, thanks, thanks for, for the calling. call. And if you mm -hmm. are on our email newsletter list, you'll be eligible for the drawing for the breakfast Tofanelli's. Also, um, so where, where's Tofanelli's? Oh, Tofanelli's. I'm glad you asked. Tofanelli's is in Grass Valley, which is actually where Dr. Hill's from. Have you ever eaten there? Many times. Breakfast is good. Okay. And Susie makes an award-winning guest. What? Make ceviche? 
okay, she probably makes that too. I was going to yeah. say uh, the gazpacho. Oh, that's really good. I, I've had yeah. their gazpacho. I made the mistake of trying to heat it once and Waiter, insulted her. This soup is cold. Yeah, yeah, it's a very good <laughs> yeah. uh, cold soup. So it's up in Grass Valley on the whatever that main road is. Is it Main Street? East Main, yeah. East, East oh, Main. Main, there you yeah. go. Okay, anything else? Good to know. Thanks. That's Thanks for it. calling, Leanne. We appreciate it. I want to clarify that eating gazpacho will not give you fatty liver. Bad breath, but not fatty yeah, liver. Yeah, that's all right. Okay, so uh, Leanne paved the road for our callers. They can call in using Skype to Medically Speaking Radio. Make sure you uh, ask for a, us to be your contact, and I will confirm that. And well, you guys can call in with questions. Moreover, what she has done is, is assuage any a- apprehensions I had about the fact that the Skype would work. That sounded way better than AM radio and a telephone call. So yeah. I feel really good about the way we're doing it compared to the old way. Okay. Now, you guys were talking about fatigue, you and the caller. Mm-hmm. You mentioned some of the things. You know, the fatigue complaint, that is one of the number one things we do. Uh, we had pre-recorded a show that's going to come out way later this month, last yesterday. And we talked about what I commonly see. Fatigue is very common. And it's complicated because one of the number one complaints for people who have heart disease, particularly women, the most common thing is not chest pain, it's fatigue. Well, fatigue can cause that. It can be, or that can cause fatigue. The hep C can cause fatigue. Uh, certain viral infections can cause fatigue. Any viral infection, it seems like, can cause fatigue. Yeah, but most you know, people nowadays, everyone's working, they got kids, they don't sleep as well. Everyone's tired. It may not be a particular illness, maybe lifestyle. Other illnesses can include vitamin D, vitamin B12, thyroid disorders, anemia. The list goes on and on and on for fatigue. So if we don't have anything else to go by, any other symptom to help narrow down where to look, it is almost too broad to even start. Anyway, that's fatigue. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Yeah. No, that's fine. It's a, it's a huge issue. Yeah. I, we hear that complaint in our office all the time, too. Now, you were talking about interferon and mm-hmm. some of the other treatments. And earlier, you said transplant is kind of like the ultimate. Right. So they do transplants for people who have been infected with uh, hep C. That's the most common cause of transplant in this country is hepatitis C. Wow. So, and don't you have to be pretty much a celebrity, though, to get a, a liver transplant, a, a Mickey Mantle or a... Uh, no, that, that, that was old days. Uh, yeah, if you had cancer and you're a celebrity, you're more likely to get it. But the, the rules... Yeah, the rules. The rules for transplant is there's a complicated score. It's called a MELD score, M-E-L-D score. The higher the score, the higher up on the list you go. It's not a first come, first serve. Sick is first. And it doesn't matter. As long as you're not drinking, you're not using drugs, uh, you're, and you don't have significant cardiac or kidney uh, disease, you're eligible. What about so, cancer? Cancer. The most common cancer in cirrhosis is called hepatocellular cancer, and there's a rule for that, too. You can have one tumor less than five centimeters or three less than three centimeters in size, and you can still be transplanted. It's the medical Mendoza line. Yes, exactly. Is that a baseball reference? Yeah, 200 batting average. We okay. got we got to learn you up on the baseball. I know. For all those tweeting that they're listening to Medically Speaking Radio, there's going to be a hashtag baseball in addition to hashtag Medically Speaking Why Radio. Not? We've we've touched on it enough. Okay. Yeah, on this one we have. You mentioned size of tumor. Mm-hmm. Why do we have a cutoff at a certain size? The more there are or the bigger the size, the more risk for metastasis. Okay. And these, again, based on studies and multiple people who've had it. Metastasis being that it has spread to another part of That's the body. That's right. Yeah, right. Okay. Interesting enough, the new treatments have uh, been found to kind of decrease your risk of tumor, or if you've already had it and you treat the hepatitis C, uh, less risk that it's going to come back. It actually can stop the tumor growth. The, the treatment for hepatitis C. Stops the tumor growth, too. Yes. Now, that's the newer treatments, or yes. even inter- interferon would do that? Um, the newer treatments, for sure, interferon, it was uh, 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 presumed. Yeah. Okay, and it's tacrolimus? Uh, no, nah, the, the newest ones... Uh, you might be reading it in the paper. Gilead has multiple drugs. The, the two uh, is that the company? Yeah, they're from the, the Bay Area. Yeah, the, yeah. The one's called Savaldi, and then the newer one's called Harvani, which is a combination of two drugs. And we use that's one pill a day, uh, typically for twelve weeks, and with about ninety-four percent chance of curing. Wow, hepatitis C genotype one. Wow, they both sound like things you'd order at an Italian restaurant. 
But yeah. not Tofanelli's. No. Yeah, right. And uh, you, you don't want to give a tip because these drugs are very expensive. Well, what are we looking at? Well, uh, typically somewhere between ninety dollars to $120,000. Oh, Ouch. For the whole treatment. For the whole treatment. Oh, for the whole. So, yeah, I, I read somewhere they were about a grand a day. Yeah, that's right. It's ridiculous. Wow. Now, there's some of these um, studies they did that some people can get by with only eight weeks of treatment and still get 92%. So we've been doing that on people who qualify. Okay. Uh, how accessible? Now, do you have to be, a, you know, a, 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 again, a celebrity or a rich person? Or do you, yeah. can we get this on, on Medi-Cal? Here, here's the latest and greatest. You can get it on Medicare, Medi-Cal. The problem is they're now requiring a certain degree of severity of liver disease in order to qualify. So your Mendoza line is higher if you're on Medi-Cal? <laughs> that, that's right. Um, and a lot, unfortunately, a lot of the private insurances are following suit, which means that you have to show that you have stage three scarring or stage four. And for those of us who don't know, st stage four is early cirrhosis. State, so you have to be close or there to is qualify. It, is this an example of, of lawyers and accountants running medicine? Because it sounds like we'll, we'll treat you once you've gotten past the point of no return. A lot of this is government, I hate to say, but it's true. Um, their thought is at, let's say, $100,000 to therapy, 3 million people wanting therapy, you can do the math. It's a huge of cost. So treat the sickest first and get the others later. Well, it wouldn't make more sense to treat people who have a chance of survival. I mean, if you let somebody get to the, to the fail-safe point. Yeah, it's a slow-moving, so stage three, I had lots of people I treat with that, and they do really well. Oh, okay. Um, but there's been studies done on the baby boomers, and this guy did a nice, well, he's like Dr. Vaughn, into the computers and the whole nine yards. <laughs> and he did a study and said, hey, this will cost $36,000 per year of life saved to treat everybody. And the cutoff line for what's cost effective is 50000 So if they look at saving uh, multiple doctor visits, uh, missed work, and, the whole, and all these things, it's actually uh, it's cost effective. So human life does have a price tag. In medicine, it does, yes, unfortunately. And it's, you're worth $50,000. <laughs> Yeah, you, you speak about the policy and the expense. You know, there does reach a point where it makes sense to come up with programs for prevention so you don't have to pay for treatment because prevention almost always costs less than treatment. Yeah. And, and it sounds like it's the most resisted uh, type of, of treatment. You know, lose yeah. weight, quit smoking. Yeah, what? we were talking we're earlier about that. trying to tell these people to with fatty liver <laughs> to lose weight. And that costs nothing compared to treatment for... Uh, Cirrhosis. What you said, fatty liver will lead to cirrhosis. It can, yeah. Third most common cause. Do you, do you, off the top of your head, know what kind of percentage, as far as number of fatty livers we come across, how many will progress to cirrhosis? It, it there, well, that gets complicated because there's two different kinds. You have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. It, it, it's complicated. It's a small okay. percentage. Okay. Okay. Um, so we're not going to save as much, but probably would be quite a cost savings. Though, well, well if run. you think about, it, let's say, if it's even three percent. How many people are obese in this country or potentially have fatty liver? It's a oh. huge number. Okay. So even a small percentage of a huge number is still a pretty good-sized number. So. Yeah. Yeah, again, it just comes to we really need to be emphasizing fitness. I think it's going to come out on every show probably that fitness plays a role in whatever it is we're yeah. talking about. Yeah. yeah, well, they've done lots of studies about uh, diabetics, being overweight, increase your risk for polyps and other GI disease. So they're talking about screening people with BMIs over 30 um, at five years sooner than they would. I mean, there's all these kind of studies going about right now in the literature. For for GI? For GI. Just GI. This this is for everything, though, I'm sure. Wow. I mean, obviously, cardiac risk is higher for high BMIs, and that's body mass index. So, Okay, so, yeah. yeah, let's have a reference here. I know what you're saying when you say a BMI of 30. For our listeners, what's a BMI of 30? What's that mean? It, it's based on height and weight. And uh, you can find this on any web page. Normal is up to 25. Around 15 to 25 is normal. Between 25 and 30, you know, you're, you're deemed overweight. 
Now, this doesn't take into account the athlete or the person who's lifting weights because they're right. doesn't BMI work for the eat. football player. Right. Or... This is average everyday person, and it's different for men and women, different calculations. So you can go online and they're... type in your height and weight, and you'll they, see your they have, BMI. They have BMI calculators. Free. We've been we've been talking about Hep C and so forth, and I probably a number of listeners probably not particularly concerned on, on a personal basis. What other types of of uh, issues do you treat as a gastroenterologist? Well, we also treat hepatitis B and hepatitis A and any chronic liver disease, any chronic liver disease, as well as, you know, reflux and uh, ulcer disease, polyps, colon cancer, uh, we're involved in that. Diverticulitis. Yeah. So pretty much if it happens in the colon or the stomach or the throat, we treat it. Right. What happens if I'm hungry all the time? Do you, do you treat that? We'll tell you to drink more water and... Uh, Eat, eat celery or something. Give, yeah. me, uh, yeah. give me something to get rid of well, the tapeworms. We have another color, so keep that thought. I was going to talk about that. Uh, what to do? We have Tom. Let's see what Tom has to say. I wonder if it's Tom Seaver. He's probably going to say, that guy never did foul that pitch off me. I blew him away on three straight pitches. He never got close. Okay, I think we need to tell Tom to turn down your radio, which means use just the Skype, turn off the mixler so we can hear you. We have a horrible uh, feedback loop. Hey, we may Tom, have to... you need to turn off Mixler. <laughs> Just go ahead and close the browser. Or shut your speakers down. Wow. That's a lot of noise. Uh, okay. trying. He's trying. Our, our caller, Tom. Turn off Mixler or uh, or use... There you go. Wait. No, not yet. <laughs> you can still hear the, uh, he needs to take the feedback going... You no, that, that's lovely. Yeah, um, Le- leave the room with the uh, computer and. Download Skype onto your smartphone, yeah. and we can go ahead and talk until Tom gets. Uh, Tom, are you ready? I'm failing. Oh, you're, <laughs> you're there. there. <laughs> we can hear you. We can still talk. So, uh, Tom, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Auburn. Okay, he's calling from outside his house now. <laughs> that's, that's right. I told him to leave the room, so he's still walking down the street. What town is he in now? So is it uh, is yours a baseball question or a medical question? This is a medical question. Is it for uh, myself or for Doctor Hill or for uh, Larry the non doctor? This is a medical question. Okay. I I don't know if this is going to work. We're just going to go back and forth. Larry the non doctor. This is a medical question. Now, go ahead and hit the X on your browser wherever you have, um, or the window that you have Mixler on the show. That'll fix it. This is like talking to tech support. This better. If you find a little X in the upper right corner of your screen, if you were pleased to click on that. I think we're there. Okay. okay. There you go. Very good. Okay. Is there anything else I can help you with today? Thank you. Um, Thank you very much. So, uh, Dr. Hill uh, mentioned uh, the other hepatitis uh, alphabetical listings, A, B. Um, I actually had uh, hepatitis A as a kid, about eight years old. And I've always been curious. Um, later when I went to uh, donate blood, uh, I was told, eh, sorry, uh, hep A, no. And so I was off the hook for donating blood for a long time until I was told, well, you know, because you were so young, uh, uh, you're okay now, and you can donate blood, which I have since. Um, why? Hepatitis, why? Hepatitis A is not chronic. I mean, it's rare to get it back. So once you have antibodies, hepatitis A should not prevent you from blood trans- giving blood for uh, others. Hepatitis B and C, however, you can't donate. So... Because those are both chronic uh, viral infections. So Hep A, it's just a matter of time, and then you're good. Yeah, that's right. And time passed, and I'm... And time passed, and now you're okay. I mean, most of us have been vaccinated. We're all going to have antibodies against hepatitis A, which is what you have, which won't affect anybody. won't give them a hepatitis A with a transfusion. Hep A is very common, so common that when people are asking about vaccinations, I don't strongly push them to get vaccinated against Hep A. Do you know what the percentage is of people who have had it and probably have protection naturally as adults? Uh, I, I am in a high risk group that I test. Probably seventy percent have been are positive for Hep A. I mean, from the it's ones that I common. test for for my population, it is. And, and when they have it, what does it look like uh, uh, clinically? Uh, some people 
don't even know they got it. Some people turn yellow and get quite sick, and then it gets better and you're done. So could you uh, say, oh, I had some bad potato salad, and that was actually hep A? Yeah, that's probably something else, but it's more like you go to a restaurant and you know someone had it, and you, you get it, or you go to another country, and it's, it's oral fecal, which means you get it by uh, mouth. It has, you have to ingest it, essentially. Somebody didn't wash their hands right. back from the bathroom. Rinse right. off your lettuce. Rinse off your lettuce, that too. Yeah, that's right. We were having it with a lot of fresh vegetables in right. California, I believe, a few years back. Like I said, oral fecal. Yeah, so in the soil and how did get, yeah, yeah, got in the soil somehow. Tom, did you have a follow up question or anything else? Uh, that's the one I've been curious about for years. So you've answered my question. Thank you. Perfect. Okay, and Tom, if you are registered on our uh, newsletter, you are eligible for the uh, Tofanelli's. If if we yeah, we'll tell you at the end of the show uh, who wins it and how to pick it up. Great. I'm bummed that I. Uh, don't get the plaque for being the first caller, though. Oh, uh, almost. You get the plaque per but, second. But you're in our hearts, so we appreciate it. Yeah. There's still a Thank place in our much. hearts. Like, we'll call it the right atrium somewhere. <laughs> okay, Tom. Thanks for calling. Excellent. Two callers on our first show. Anybody well, else that wants to, just uh, Skype to Medically Speaking Radio. That was awesome. I, I want to get a call from outside of Auburn. I, I'm, I'm really hoping for Paris, Texas. I just, What's with the Paris? You said I don't that know. The show? It just—it was a vision. It came to me. Did you yeah. travel through Paris? No, I'm just thinking of, of world capitals, and that we probably won't get that far. So I went like, Cairo, New York. Cairo, New York, Cairo. Moscow, Idaho. Yeah. Uh, where else we got? London, Connecticut, right. uh, Paris, Texas. I didn't know that. Yeah. That, what, what were Rome, we New York? What were we talking about before he called? I—I I was uh, going to say something, and I paused myself. I don't know. We call that brain farting in GI. In, oh, yeah. that's yeah. oh, that's a GI term, yeah. not not neurology. Is is there a polite clinical term for farting? I mean, you're the you're the gastroenterologist. Yeah. Flatus, flatulence. Oh well. Why do you ask? Right. I now, just wondered. We're in this tiny room. I, I, that's why I'm scooting closer to you. <laughs> I was just saying. No, no, no. It's, I, this is not a you know a cry for help or you're, anything. It's just. A, <laughs> So when was your last colonoscopy? You know, we're just uh... ten years ago. Uh oh. Someone's due. Uh oh. I guess I am. Yeah, I've been looking forward to that. You know. So, but but going back to colonoscopy experience, I do not remember the actual experience. They put me under what they refer to as conscious sedation. I'm not sure what the uh, what the anesthesiologist Let's... is using, but I don't know where the conscious part comes in because yeah. I remember nothing. Uh, all that means is you don't need someone breathing for you. So oh, yeah. that's deep sedation or general if yeah, you have to have someone breathe for you. I, was, I prefer the term procedural sedation. Um, no, they're not conscious. It was excellent sleep. I will say that. That's what Michael Jackson thought. Yeah. Well, I wasn't quite there. I, wasn't, I didn't have sleep. the hyperbaric change. I guess still so. sleeping, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's good stuff. He, he had the uh, what, milk propofol. Of, milk, of magne- milk of amnesia. Amnesia, yeah, yes. it's propofol. Excellent, excellent stuff. Uh, people feel good when they wake up. We talked about this with our show with Barry Friedman. Yeah. Uh, don't fear going under. I don't remember what the name of this book was. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Get over going under. How to get over going under. Yeah, yeah. We, we only use that in special instances. Um, people who can, cannot tolerate conscious sedation. You said special instances? Yeah. Oh, I thought you said you light incense. No. Oh, that, <laughs> yeah. With the oxygen around, that's awesome. <laughs> Something flame burning. No, that's an exp- it's, it makes a colonoscopy uh, impractical. It's too expensive with propofol. Oh, Most insurances really? are starting not to cover it. Oh, man. So what are you using instead? Uh, we use Demerol, Versed, Fentanyl. We use... Uh, Which works. It works. It works. It just lasts longer. Propofol yeah. is a great drug, but it's pricey. Uh, it makes It actually, they've done studies that makes uh, colonoscopy not cost-effective if you use <gasps> propofol. Oh, my goodness. Now, one of the nice things about propofol is it's an infusion or a drip Correct. instead of just a, a bolus dose where sometimes uh, they didn't need quite that much. Let's bag them. When I say bag them, I mean you're using a bag to breathe for them a little bit. And don't be scared by that. When we do these procedures, we have somebody whose job it is to do that. They're sitting there at the front of the table with the thing there ready to just put some breaths in. And then you start breathing on your own. And so they have come. one thing to do. Just yeah. pay attention to that. Yeah, that's there's the one whole thing. That's what procedural sedation is now. And that's why there's a, a billing code for it on top of whatever the procedure is Dr. Yeah. Hill's doing. 
there's that person there, and their job is to monitor vital signs, monitor your breathing, and to breathe for you. And they have indicators. Not only do they know what your oxygen saturation is, they also know how much carbon dioxide is building up so that they know that they need to give you a little breath here or there. A very, very minor thing. Yeah, so speaking of that, a lot of people come into the office and they say, well, Joan Rivers had that upper scope done and died. <laughs> so just yeah. to clarify. <laughs> Tell us. that uh, uh, ENT came in an ear, nose, throat doctor who's not a gastroenterologist, and he biopsied her vocal cord, which led to vocal cord spasm, and they couldn't put a tube yeah. down into her lungs because the tube has to go through the vocal cord. Between oh. them? Yes, yeah. and they were spasm closed. Oh, my goodness. And so never have we done a vocal cord biopsy in GI. It's Thank you. not our realm of expertise. Yes, so you will not suffer Joan Rivers' fate either in career or in life by going Ooh. and getting a, a scope at Sierra Endoscopy. Right, exactly. Hey, since we have you on the show, this is your time to do whatever promotion of your group you want. Yep. So, oh, four minutes so, to plug. Yeah, we, three minutes, yeah, so. There you go. Uh, Sierra Nevada Gastroenterology, uh, 300 Sierra College Drive in Grass Valley, uh, 273-3377. We treat all uh, realms of GI disease. Where uh, we promise not to biopsy your vocal cords. No, right. That's not what we're doing. Right. Here. We won't do that. Uh, and we have four doctors, Dr. Andrew Tra Chang, uh, Roy Foliente, Osm Godil, and myself. Cool. Now, sometimes do people mispronounce Osm's name and call him Awesome? All the time. Everything. He actually awesome. prefers that. Yeah. Awesome Possum. So, awesome. and I want to say we're a culturally diverse group, more culturally like diverse it. than Auburn. We have our Chinese doctor, Dr. Chang, who's American, but you know. Dr. Godil from Pakistan, and Dr. Foliente is Filipino. And oh then I'm goodness. the token white guy. So. <laughs> in Grass Valley, who would have thought? There you go. So very culturally diverse. We're really with it here in the gold country and the foothills. Right. So I believe that brings us toward the end of the show. Is there anything else we want to get out? Oh, I wanted, did I already tell people that there's a, a film playing at the library tonight? No. And this afternoon? It's uh, The Heiress one of those old movies and you can go in the beecher room and watch it with people. You know, that's actually the way movies are meant to be watched. When people make movies, they make them for an audience in a theater. For example, a comedy like the old Marx Brothers comedies, it is funnier well, if you watch laughing, it in yeah. a theater of people than if you watch it alone. It's participatory. You laugh out loud. It, movies are made based on the, uh, the truth that we are made for a relationship. We may even have a whole show on this. I'm not sure. That's going on. What else is going on that I was going to announce in town? Do you remember? Oh, oh I don't know. It's probably speaking radio next week. We oh, want to yeah. we want to promo next week's show. So next week's show will be pre-recorded. You won't be able to call in next week. But at ten o'clock, we'll post the show. You can still find it at the same place. There'll be a link going to it. And next week's show will be about the hot topic of the day: vaccinations. We'll be speaking about measles. We'll be speaking about whooping cough, which pertussis. We're currently in an epidemic in California for that. We'll also be talking about the new pneumonia vaccine. That and you'll get to hear Dr. Von insult the anti-vaxxers. Oh, yeah, but we bleeped it out. Oh, yeah. So, oh, and the <laughs> Disneyland measles. Uh, yep. Yes. Yeah. We'll oh, very nice. That's next week's topic. That's the Magic Kingdom. The yeah. itchiest yep. place in the world. <laughs> yes. Happiest, yeah. happiest, itchiest place in the world. <laughs> Uh-oh. We might get in trouble for something like that. So we're looking forward to being with you again next week. In the meantime, make sure you sign up for the newsletter. It's on the right side of the screen. So if you're listening to us right now, on our live page, you see it has a place for your first name, your last name, and yes, I'm pointing in the air. That's right. Larry's looking over where I'm pointing. <laughs> no, there's nothing over in the big shelf. Your first name, your last name, your email address. That way we can get you messages about shows coming up. We can communicate with you. And it also helps us because we can show that as evidence to potential sponsors, which you as a listener want us to do that. Something else you can do for us. Those of you who like listening to iTunes, we are on iTunes. So you can download 78 old episodes. It'll be 79 after today and listen to them. And us would, and Bruce Springsteen. And Bruce Springsteen. It but would, we won't it'll, sing. It'll really help us if... But we'll you, play the theme music. That's right. No, it will help us if you leave a rating on iTunes too. So we're going to go ahead and... We're going away. So this is Dr. Hill. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Larry Finney. And Dr. Mark Vaughn telling you to stay in good health.
And we selected our winner of our callers for the uh, gift certificate to Tofanelli's. It is Tom from Auburn. So Tom, what you'll want to do is find your way to the Auburn Medical Group at 3256 Professional Drive in Auburn during normal business hours. Um, that means not between 1130 and 1, which is our, our lunchtime. And also, we do close at 1130 on Friday. So Monday through Thursday, normal business hours, Friday mornings. And you can pick up your gift certificate. Just come up to Loretta at the window and say, I'm Tom. Maybe have some kind of ID that has the, the name Tom on it. And you should be able to get it. So thank you again for calling. 